Chapter fourteen of Recollections of the Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. Recollections of the Civil War by Charles Dana. Chapter fourteen. The Great Game Between Grant and Lee. Maneuvering and Fighting in the Rain, Mud, and Thickets. Virginian Conditions of Warfare. Within Eight Miles of Richmond the battle of cold harbor the tremendous losses of the campaign the charge of butchery against grant considered in the light of statistics what it cost in life and blood to take richmond by the afternoon of may seventeenth the weather was splendid and the roads were rapidly becoming dry even where the mud was worst grant determined to engage lee and orders for a decisive movement of the army were issued to be executed during the night at first he proposed an attack upon the enemy's right but changed the plan instead of attacking there hancock and wright made a night march back to our right flank and attacked at daylight upon the same lines where hancock made his successful assault on the twelfth they succeeded in pressing close to the enemy's lines and for a time were confident that at last they had struck the lair of the enemy but an impassable abatis stopped them one division of hancock's corps attempted in vain to charge through this obstacle and held the ground before it for an hour or more under a galling fire of canister the difficulty of storming the enemy's entrenched camp on that side being evidently of the most extreme character and both corps having artfully but unsuccessfully sought for a weak point where they might break through grant at nine o'clock ordered the attack to cease the attempt was a failure lee was not to be ousted and grant convinced of it issued orders for another movement which he had had in contemplation for several days but which he did not wish to try till after a last attempt to get the enemy out of his stronghold this was nothing less than to slip away from lee and march on toward richmond again the new order directed that hancock's corps should march by night from its present position southeast as far toward richmond on the line of the fredericksburg road as he could go fighting his way if necessary warren was to follow and if lee did not come out and attack when our army was thus weakened wright and burnside also were to march southward this movement was begun on the night of the twentieth by the night of the twenty-first hancock was across the mattapony river at milford warren had crossed the same river at guinea station the point to which grant had moved his headquarters by the morning of the twenty-second wright and burnside were up in safety and the forward movement was continued we were now in a fine clear country good to move in and fight in and the advance of the twenty-second was most successful by night our army lay in an east and west line along the mattapony river holding the crossings on the right was wright close to him at the left warren in the center burnside on the left hancock our headquarters were at new bethel church our talk that night was that in all probability we should meet the enemy on the north anna a day's march to the south of our position the operations of the next day were much embarrassed by our ignorance of the road and the entire incorrectness of our maps nevertheless by one o'clock in the afternoon our right wing under warren reached the north anna the stream there was about one hundred and fifty feet wide with bluff banks from fifty to seventy-five feet high wright followed after warren as soon as warren reached jericho mills he pushed his sharpshooters across the stream which was easily fordable at that place following them with a compact body of infantry a confederate regiment posted to watch the crossing at once gave way leaving a single prisoner in our hands from this man warren learned that another of the enemy's divisions was drawn up to receive him nearby under the orders of general grant he promptly threw across the pontoon bridge over which he rapidly moved his artillery 
at the same time urging forward his infantry by the ford as well as by the bridge and by five o'clock he had transported his entire command and had taken up a position of great strength here he rapidly commenced entrenching himself grant had by this time moved his headquarters up to mount carmel church some four miles from jericho mills about six o'clock we knew from the firing that warren had been attacked i never heard more rapid or heavier firing either of artillery or musketry it was not until about half-past ten that evening that we knew surely how the fight had gone then a dispatch from warren announced that he had triumphantly repulsed the enemy and made considerable captures of prisoners about the same time that warren was fighting for his position at jericho mills hancock advanced on our left by a vigorous charge of two brigades of burney's division the enemy was driven over the north anna river the next morning hancock crossed over that same morning may twenty fourth we found that as a result of the operations of the previous day we had about one thousand prisoners they were more discouraged than any set of prisoners i ever saw before lee had deceived them they said and they declared that his army would not fight again except behind breastworks the general opinion of every prominent officer in the army on the morning of the twenty fourth was that the enemy had fallen back either to take up a position beyond the south anna or to go to richmond but by noon the next day we knew that this was a mistake all through the day of the twenty fourth lee blocked our southward march the opinion prevailed that the enemy's position was held by a rear guard only but the obstinacy of their skirmishers was regarded as very remarkable about dark hancock made an attack breaking into the confederate line of works taking some prisoners and satisfying himself that a whole corps was before him soon afterward the division of gibbon was attacked but it beat back the assault handsomely without any considerable loss just before dark crittenden the same crittenden who was at chickamauga was also suddenly attacked and one of his brigades damaged no fighting of any moment took place on the morning of the twenty fifth but the enemy showed such strength as to leave no doubt that lee's whole army was present his entrenchments were in the form of the letter v he showed artillery on both faces by the morning of the twenty fifth grant was sure that lee was before him and strongly entrenched he soon determined on a new move this was to withdraw his whole army as quickly as possible and before lee discovered his intention to move it southeast across the pamunkey and perhaps on across the chickahominy and the james if he could not meanwhile get lee out of his earthworks the orders for the new move were received with the best spirit by the army in spite of the fact that the men were much jaded indeed one of the most important results of the campaign thus far was the entire change which had taken place in the feelings of the armies the confederates had lost all confidence and were already morally defeated our army had learned to believe that it was sure of ultimate victory even our officers had ceased to regard lee as an invincible military genius on the part of the enemy this change was evinced not only by their not attacking even when circumstances seemed to invite it but by the unanimous statements of prisoners taken from them the morning after we began to move from our position on the north anna i was so confident that i wrote mr stanton rely upon it the end is near as well as sure it was on the night of the twenty sixth that our army was withdrawn from the north anna without loss or disturbance and by the evening of the twenty seventh grant had his headquarters ten miles from hanover town and his whole army was well up toward the crossing we had no news of lee's movements that day though we heard that there was a force of the enemy at hanover courthouse grant himself was very doubtful that day of our getting across the hanover ferry he told me that we might be obliged to go farther to the southeast to get over on the morning of the twenty seventh sheridan and his cavalry seized the ferry laying bridges and after crossing advanced well beyond 
everything went on finely that night and during the twenty eighth the troops passed our headquarters in great numbers and very rapidly by noon of the twenty eighth the movement of the army across the pamunkey was complete with the exception of burnside who did not arrive until midnight the movement had been executed with admirable celerity and success the new position was one of great strength our lines extending from the pamunkey to totopotomy creek wright was on the pamunkey hancock on his left and warren on the totopotomy the orders for that day were to let the men rest though both officers and men were in high spirits at the successful execution of this long and difficult flank movement we were now south of the pamunkey and occupying a very strong position but we did not know yet where lee was a general reconnaissance was at once ordered and the enemy was found in force south of the totopotomy creek by the thirtieth there was no doubt that lee's whole army now reinforced by thirteen thousand men was close at hand and strongly entrenched again grant said he would fight here if there was a fair chance but he declared emphatically he would not run his head against heavy works our line began to push forward on the thirtieth all the afternoon of that day at headquarters which were now at hawes shop we heard the noise of fighting first warren on the left who had reached a point only about seven miles and a half from richmond had a short sharp and decisive engagement with early and later an active conflict raged for some time with our right on the totopotomy we were successful all along the line the next day the thirty first we pushed ahead until our lines lay from bethesda church on the east to the railroad on the west desultory firing was constantly heard but there was no very active fighting that day until about five o'clock in the afternoon when sheridan's cavalry by hard work drove out the enemy and secured cold harbor which was at that moment of vast importance to us strategically it was determined to make a fight here before the enemy could entrench wright was at once ordered to have his whole force on the ground by daylight on the first of june to support sheridan and take the offensive baldy smith of butler's army who had landed at white house on the thirty first with twelve thousand five hundred men was ordered to the aid of wright and sheridan but there was an error in smith's orders and wright's march was so long that his corps did not get up to cold harbor until the afternoon of the first meanwhile sheridan's cavalry had repulsed two attacks by two brigades of kershaw's infantry it was not until six o'clock in the afternoon that we at headquarters at bethesda church heard the cannon which indicated that an attack had at last been made by wright and smith from the sounds of artillery and musketry we judged the fight was furious Ricketts' division broke through the rebel lines between Hoke and Kershaw, capturing five hundred prisoners, and forcing the enemy to take up a new position farther back. Smith's troops effected lodgments close up to the Confederate entrenchments. Our losses this day were twenty-two hundred men in these two corps. Warren was slightly engaged. Together they had done very well, but meanwhile Lee was again concentrated and entrenched in our front. Hancock was ordered to move during the night, and his advance arrived at Cold Harbor about daylight. When I got up in the morning, I was then at Bethesda Church, his rear was marching past our headquarters. In conjunction with Wright and Smith, he was to fall upon Lee's right that day. Warren and Burnside were also ordered in as soon as they heard that the three corps on our left had begun battle. There was no battle that day, however. Hancock's men were so tired with their forced march of nearly twelve miles, and the heat and dust were so oppressive, that General Grant ordered the attack to be postponed until half-past four o'clock the next morning so the battle grant sought did not come until june third that of cold harbor on the morning of the third our line lay with the right at bethesda church the left extending to the chickahominy hancock commanded the left next to him was right with his corps drawn up in three lines next smith with the eighteenth corps in two lines next warren 
who had his whole command in a single line the distance he covered being fully three miles with this thin order of battle he was necessarily unable to make any effective assault burnside held the extreme right hancock wright and smith were to make the main attacks at daybreak promptly at the hour they dashed out toward the rebel lines under a fearful fire of musketry and a cross-fire of artillery the losses were great but we gained advantages here and there the entire charge consumed hardly more than an hour barlow of hancock's corps drove through a very strong line and at five o'clock reported that he had taken entrenchments with guns and colors but he could not stay there an interior breastwork commanded the one he had carried and his men had to withdraw leaving behind them the captured cannon and bringing out a single confederate standard and two hundred and twenty prisoners as tokens of their brief success wright and smith succeeded in carrying the first line of rifle pits but could get no farther to the front all our forces held ground close up to the enemy at some points they were entrenched within a hundred feet of the rebel breastworks burnside on the right captured some rifle pits later he was attacked by early who was roughly handled and repulsed warren was active and repulsed a vigorous attack by gordon thus by noon we had fully developed the confederate lines and grant could see what was necessary in order to get through them hancock reported that in his front it could not be done wright was decidedly of the opinion that a lodgment could be made in his front but it would be difficult to make much by it unless hancock and smith could also advance smith thought he could carry the works before him but was not sanguine burnside also thought he could get through but warren who was nearest him did not seem to share his opinion in this state of things at half-past one o'clock general grant ordered the attack to be suspended he had told meade as early as seven in the morning to suspend the movement if it became evident that success was impossible this was the battle of cold harbor which has been exaggerated into one of the bloodiest disasters of history a reckless useless waste of human life it was nothing of the kind the outlook warranted the effort the breaking of lee's line meant his destruction and the collapse of the rebellion sheridan took the same chances at five forks ten months later and won so did wright humphreys gibbon and others at petersburg they broke through far stronger lines than those at cold harbor and lee fled in the night toward appomattox so it would have been at cold harbor if grant had won and who would have thought of the losses while we lay at cold harbor as when we had been at spotsylvania the principal topic of conversation was the losses of the army the discussion has never ceased there are still many persons who bitterly accuse grant of butchery in this campaign as a matter of fact grant lost fewer men in his successful effort to take richmond and end the war than his predecessors lost in making the same attempt and failing an official table showing the aggregate of losses sustained by the armies of mcdowell mcclellan pope burnside hooker meade butler and ord in the effort to capture the confederate capital is appended comparative statement of the losses sustained in action by the army of northeastern virginia the army of the potomac and the army of virginia under the command of generals mcdowell mcclellan pope burnside hooker and meade from may twenty fourth eighteen sixty one to may fourth eighteen sixty four and the army of the potomac meade and the army of the james butler and ord constituting the armies operating against richmond under general grant from may five eighteen sixty four to april nine eighteen sixty five losses from may twenty fourth eighteen sixty one to may fourth eighteen sixty four mcdowell may twenty fourth to august nineteenth eighteen sixty one killed four hundred ninety three wounded one thousand one hundred seventy six captured or missing one thousand three hundred forty two aggregate three thousand eleven 
McClellan, August 20, 1861, to April 4, 1862. Killed, 80. Wounded, 268. Captured or missing, 815. Aggregate, 1,163. McClellan, April 5, to August 8, 1862. Killed, 3,263. Wounded, 13,868. Captured or missing, 7,317. Aggregate, 24,448. Pope, June 26 to September 2, 1862. Killed, 2,065. Wounded, 9,908. Captured or missing, 4,982. Aggregate, 16,955. McClellan, September 3 to November 14, 1862. Killed, 2,716. Wounded, 11,979. Captured or missing, 13,882. Aggregate, 28,577. Burnside, November 15, 1862 to January 25, 1863. Killed, 1,296. Wounded, 9,642. Captured or missing, 2,276. Aggregate, 13,214. Hooker, January 26 to June 17, 1863. Killed, 1,955. Wounded, 11,160. Captured or missing, 11,912. Aggregate, 25,027. Mead, June 28, 1863 to May 4, 1864. Killed, 3,877. Wounded, 18,078. Captured or missing, 9,575. Aggregate, 31,530. Total, killed, 15,745. Wounded, 76,079. Captured or missing, 52,101. Aggregate, 143,925. This table shows exactly what Richmond cost us from May 24, 1861, when McDowell crossed the Potomac into Virginia, to Lee's surrender at Appomattox, and it proves that Grant, in eleven months, secured the prize with less loss than his predecessor suffered in failing to win it during a struggle of three years. End of chapter 14. Recording by Denise Nordell, Modesto, California.